Romans 8, Romans chapter number 8 here this evening, and I want to go to a very familiar passage of Scripture, beginning in verse number 28, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How many of you have heard that verse before? Yeah, isn't it a great verse? How many of you have said that verse to somebody that was going through a trial before? How many of you heard that said to yourself as somebody used that verse, wrote it on a card, sent you a text message? I want to begin, go on reading as well. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? Isn't that a good verse? If God before us, who can be against us? Paul is asking that question, but he knows the answer. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Huh? Jesus Christ, he, Paul gives a gospel message right there. He's, he's died, he's risen again, and he's at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul's asking this question. Shall tribulation... Huh? Can a tribulation separate you from the love of Christ? What's the answer to that? No. He says, Shall, can tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we, were, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Boy, this, this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, it's encouraging to the believer. Now, understand this. Paul, Paul is writing to the, the Christians here during this time period where many Christians are going through great persecution. Great persecution. Matter of fact, and I've said this, said this before recently, for most generations, Christians were persecuted. There's a book back there, if you're looking for a good read book that we've got on the book table, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll find that for, for many, from the time they got saved and through many generations, you were persecuted for your faith. This, this get-rich Christianity, that's, that's not true biblical Bible Christianity. People weren't getting saved in the first generation church because they were helpless and being persecuted and they wanted a way out. That's not why they were getting saved. That was what happened to them after they got saved and they still, they still kept the faith. The Bible, and the most of the Bible is written to outcast and the persecuted and the poor and the suffering. This new Christianity that's been westernized some about, about God is this just this magic genie that 
Christians should never have a problem. And if you have a problem, maybe you're doing something wrong because Christians should be thriving. Christians should be thriving in their walk with the Lord, but that doesn't mean that everything here on this earth is going to be just the way you want it to be. You won't find that in the Bible. Matter of fact, you find it the opposite to be the case. I'm going to preach this message this evening, and, and um, I know we took some extra time, and I'll just finish, and wherever I leave off, we'll pick it up another time. But I want us to be reminded of that this evening. And for a second reason as well, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. I mean, if you see the events of this world unfolding, I am going to, after our spring campaign, I'm going to begin to preach messages on Sunday morning uh, on, on uh, prophecy and how to, and that we as Christians ought to live courageously in end times. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get through it. Not because it's going to be, you know, forever long, but I think the Lord's coming again. You can see the way this, things are just forming around this world. I mean, when you're, you can read the news and then go to the, go to the Bible and say, this is exactly like it says. It's all setting up. And as that happens, Christians are falling away. Christians are becoming easily offended. And I don't necessarily mean with each other. I mean, even with God. I talk to Christians often that are upset with God because they don't get their way. They're asking God for something and he's not giving it to them and they're getting upset with God. And I'm not saying that necessarily those here in this church, I just mean in general, somebody I'm meeting, somebody I talk to, I try to everywhere I go to, to witness and to, to share the gospel. And I run across a lot of people that used to go to church and they got offended, they got upset. A trial came, a, a burden came, and they felt that God gave up on them. I've been asking, and God just doesn't answer. In Romans 8.28, it's a, it's a verse we mostly use, and we use this verse as an attempt to encourage someone. When somebody's going through a trial, when going, someone's going through a struggle in life, we pull out Romans 8.28, and we let them know that it will all work out. How many of you said that? The Bible says, don't worry, everything is going to work out just fine. How many of you have said that? How many of you have been in a situation and it has not worked out just fine? Is the Bible untrue? Is the Bible untrue? The Bible says that all things work together for good. The question is, who's good? The way you describe good or the way I describe good or the way that God describes good? Because when I'm planning my life, how I describe it good doesn't always line up with what God desires for my life and what God has planned. And Romans 8.28 is there and true. It's as true as John 3.16 is true, that God loves uh, the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. It's as true as the gospel is true. It's as true as Jesus came and died, just like he says here, and rose again and sits right at the, uh, at the right hand of the Father. That's true, and so is Romans 8.28. And it's not just true for some people. It's true for every Christian. All things will work out for good, but we have to determine when we say good, whose good are we talking about? The way I describe good? And tonight, tonight I want to speak to you on this, on this matter. I'm not, 
I'm not assured by this verse that everything is going to work out together the way I want it to. Do you get that, Christian? You know, many, many have gone through heartache and many have gone through trials. Many have experienced the death of a loved one. Somebody gets sick and, and they say, don't worry, Romans 8, 28, everything's going to work out for good. And they're standing at the funeral home and they're wondering, I thought everything was going to work out for good. Somebody's going through a problem with, with a, a, a spouse and, and somebody says, don't worry, everything's going to work out for good. And they're signing papers at the divorce lawyer and saying, I thought everything was going to work out for good. Is this true, not true? Somebody has a sick child and they say, everything's going to work out for good and the child doesn't get better. And you say, is Romans 8.28 true? Somebody goes through financial ruin or failed career and somebody says, Romans 8.28, and it doesn't change. And you ask yourself, is Romans 8.28 true? I want you to see with me this evening that God has a way of working things out for his good that doesn't always mean the way you want things worked out. And if things don't work out the way you want them to work out, it doesn't mean God's not good. It doesn't mean that God doesn't understand good. We find here in this passage of Scripture, I want to move along here, so I'm going to skip a few notes here, but I want to get to the crutch of this message here. Paul, Paul mentions, I want, us, I want us to look in verse number uh, 20, 26, if you would please here. Uh, let's go up a couple verses. The Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you see that verse? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. You know, being saved, it doesn't make the problem go away. It doesn't mean that we'll always be, always, always live a life and never have a problem. It doesn't mean that the Christian, the moment the Christian gets saved, everything, every problem goes away and we live this life of luxury and ease. And you know, there are some, and you need to be careful what you listen to because there are some preachers, they preach that prosperity gospel that once you get saved, all of your problems are going to go away. And if your problems aren't uh, gone away, maybe you're not saved. Or if, 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 if you trusted Christ, maybe, maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe there's something more that needs to be added to your salvation. And that's not biblical salvation. When you get saved, you know what you get? You get the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you, that is there ministering to you through your infirmities, the Bible says here. It doesn't say he takes away all your infirmities. What he does is he gives you the Holy Spirit of God to minister to you while you're going through infirmities. Do you see that? So being saved doesn't make the problems absent. It uh, makes the Holy Spirit present as we're going through our trial. Now listen, that'll encourage us tonight as a believer. Because reality is every one of us are going to go through trials. And when you go through the trial, instead of having our heart and our mind fixed on the problem and the trial and the burden that we're carrying, what we ought to be excited about and realize is this, the Holy Spirit of God is there and he's ministering to us as we're going through every single one of these trials. I look down and I see, I see Pastor Oscar, you know, just, just a little bit ago, he was going through a pretty good trial in his life. He 
One day he's lifting weights and he's a healthy coaching basketball, eating Taco Bell every day for lunch. I mean, he was healthy. Next day he's in the hospital and they're cutting him open, hoping heart surgery. Then one day he's doing fine. The next day he, he can't even sneeze without holding on to a brace. You say, well, I thought, I thought as a Christian everything was going to work out for good. Then why would that happen? But you know what he had in, during that entire event, during that ti- entire trial? The Holy Spirit of God was there ministering to him. As he's going through trials, he has the Holy Spirit of God. And so when we get saved, it doesn't mean the problems go away, but what it does mean is this, the Holy Spirit is there and present as we're dealing with infirmities in our life. And Paul mentions in verse number 24 that we have hope. Aren't you excited about that? There's hope for the believer. There's hope. Whatever you're going through in life, while you're going through it, there is hope. There's hope for for us as believers. We have something that the world does not have, and it's called hope. You can't tell the world, some of that's lost, don't worry, it's going to be okay. It might not be okay. They might be at the, 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 the uh, uh, a graveside of someone that they love. They might be in the hospital with someone that they love. The cancer might not go away. The, the marriage might end the divorce. You, can, you can't say that to someone that's lost. It might not be okay, but to the believer, there's hope. Why is there hope? Because there's Jesus Christ, Paul says. No matter what happens here on this earth, no matter what surgery you go through, no matter what problem you go through, what can't happen is you can't lose your salvation. You've got eternal life. And one day, all of those problems and all of those stresses and all that persecution and all the worry and all the pain, one day it's going to be gone and we are going to be forever with Jesus Christ. There is hope for the believer. That'll encourage us. No matter what the world throws at us, no matter what the enemy throws at us, there is hope. You can't lose that hope that's in Jesus Christ. Paul mentions in this, in verse number 24, we have hope. But if we, if we saw all of the future and had all of our questions answered from the start, we as Christians wouldn't need hope. If we had to have all of our questions answered before we got saved, we wouldn't need hope. We wouldn't need faith. We wouldn't need to live our Christian life with the help of the Holy Spirit, but we don't have all of our questions answered. We do. It does require faith. It requires faith even as we live this life that, that what God said in his word is true. It requires faith. We live, we as Christians, we live by hope, and we live by faith. Listen, that's what makes us different than the world. And that's why when we go through trials and we go through situations in our life, listen, the Christian is going to go through, the Christian is going to go through health issues just like the lost is going to go through health issues. Do you know if you go to the funeral home, they bury saved people as well as they bury lost people. 
Do you know there are some Christian uh, homes, uh, families that end in divorce, just like there are uh, unsaved families that end in divorce. There are, if you go down to, to, the, to the emergency room tonight, you're going to find people there that are sick, that the same disease or the same heartache. One might be saved and the other ones might, might, not, might not be saved, might be lost. What's the difference between all that? For the believer, there's hope. That's not the end. There's hope for the believer. We've got faith. The Spirit, the Spirit dwells within us. The Bible says, and he helpeth our infirmities. And we're not free from infirmities, but we do have a helper. And because of that, we can get to Romans 8.28. No matter what I'm going through, I have help while I'm going through that trial. Have you ever tried to move something by yourself that you never should have attempted to move by yourself? And then you got it in a place you don't know what to do. Because you can't let it down, because if you do, it's going to crush you. You knew you should have waited for help, but now it's, it's all on you. You got yourself into this. I'm, I'm good with that with my wife. I don't like to pay someone to do something that I think I can do. And so my wife, I got her believing that I can do just about anything. So, so she... She wants something done, and she, she, she has a few different projects, and she says to me now, she says, oh, you can do that. And I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, I think it'd be better just to pay someone to do it because I can't do that because if I get started, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to have to call Brother Mickey to get me out of this mess. You ever get into something, and you're there by yourself, and you're like, how am I going to get out of this mess that I'm in? Times Christians find themselves at a place where it feels like we are in a mess. But you know what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number eight? The Holy Spirit of God is there to help us. We are never alone. There is no trial. There is no infirmity. There is no persecution. There is no burden that you're carrying that you as a Christian have to carry it alone. The Holy Spirit of God is there. And that gives the Christian hope. Otherwise, life wouldn't be worth living. Otherwise, the pressures of life would be so great. The burdens would be so great. But we as Christians, we have a helper, and he, that helper is the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit of God. He helps us. He, he, he intercedes for us. He guides us along this path. And, and we come to, to verse number 28, hope, infirmities, Holy Spirit, in help, but we, we still hurt. How many of you, you know there's hope, but you still hurt? I was at Connie, Connie Hill's husband's funeral, uh, Lee, and, and, and I, was, I was sitting there and getting ready to preach at the funeral. My heart hurt for them. I looked over and I saw her, and I could tell her heart hurt. Listen, we as Christians, our heart hurt. Romans 8.28 doesn't mean that our heart won't hurt. Romans 8.28 doesn't mean that we won't have persecution, that we won't have problems, that there won't be infirmities. But what it does tell us is this, that the Holy Spirit of God is there to help us. We still hurt. Our problems are still present. Then how is there good in this trial? Because when I say good, you know what I say? No problems. No hurt. No, tri no trials. Good to me would mean everything is good. 
Good to me would mean, no, I wake up and there's no problem. Good means I wake up and there's no bad news. Good means I live my day and I never get anything that, that is bad news. But that's not what Romans 8.28 is saying. What Romans 8.28 is saying is when you do get those problems, the Holy Spirit of God is there to minister to you, we find. How's there good in this trial? It seems never to end. You ever said that about a trial? This seems to never end. It confuses my mind. It breaks my heart. You ever have a problem that takes away your sleep? Going through a burden? It wearies your soul. And how can such a problem, how can such a problem work out for good? What good is coming from my trial if this trial seems hopeless? What good is coming from my burden if, if it seems unresolved? I see for this next several verses here in Romans chapter 8, I see something that I find that encourages us. In these next several verses, you know what we find? That God is seen as in control. What we find, the verses that we read, what we find is although our life seems like it at times is out of control, God is always in control. Our burdens seem like they're great. God is always in control. No matter what is going on in our life, God is is in control. And believer, we must put our hope in that. We must put our confidence in that, that God is constantly in control. Nothing takes our God by surprise. He gave us his son. Look with me in verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How is he not going to take care of his child? He's given us his son. He's given us salvation. A God that loved us so much that he gave his son and gave us redemption through him is the same God that is in control no matter what is happening in our life. He sits in control. He knows what's happening. He loved us enough to give us his son. He loves us enough to be in control in our life, in a worst situation in our life. God is in control. In verse number 34, the Bible tells us, he, uh, who is he that uh, condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Verse number 34, it tells us that Christ is at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. And then, and then he reveals something that is so needful for us. In order to understand verse number 28 of, of chapter 8, in order for us to understand how good can come out of burdens how good can come out of trials, we have to go to verse number 35. Look with me in verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It says, shall tribulation or distresses or persecutions or famine, or nakedness or peril or, or the sword? Shall these things separate us from the love of Christ? So in our tribulation, you know what we find? Christ loves us. You know what we find in our, in our, in our um, distresses? 
Christ loves us. In our persecution, Christ still loves us. In, in our famine, Christ still loves us. In our nakedness, Christ still loves us. In our peril, he still loves us. In our death or, or by the sword, he still loves us. And no matter what, no matter what you're going through or, or you have gone through, it will work out for good. You know what that working out for good is? That Christ never stops loving you. No matter what happens in your life, you can't lose the fact that you're saved. You can't lose the fact that Christ loves you. You can't lose the fact that you're born again. You can't lose the fact that Christ is there interceding for you. You can't lose the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is ministering or helping you. You can't lose the fact that this, this world is not your home. You're just passing through. You can't lose the fact that heaven is your eternal home. You can't lose the fact that Jesus Christ loves you. No matter what you're going through, none of that can rob the love that Jesus Christ has for you. And therefore, no matter what you're going through, it can work out for good because that good is the love of Jesus Christ that he has for me. So no matter what I'm going through in life, Satan can't steal my relationship with Christ. He can't steal my joy. He can't steal what Christ can give me. He can throw, he can throw things at me. He can throw tribulations. He can throw distresses. He can throw persecution. He can throw famine. There can be nakedness. There can be peril. There can be the sword. But none of those things are strong enough. None of those things can take away what Christ has given me. Therefore, no matter what I'm going through, it's always going to work out because working out means this. I am there in the center of Christ's love for me. Is that encouraging? That ought to encourage us as a believer. Paul, Paul is speaking to the saved here. He says that the good is that no matter what your burden in life is, you're going to see Jesus again someday. No matter what you're going through. There's no, there's no tribulation, there's no persecution, there's no famine, there's no, no situation that this world can throw at me that is big enough and strong enough to take Jesus Christ from me. And that is what a Christian ought to keep his focus on. That is what a Christian ought to keep his mind on as we go through persecution in life. You say, why is that so important? And I'm going to be finished with this. Why is that so important? Because, Christian, I believe as the day of the Lord approaches, we as Christians are going to suffer greater persecution. In this Christianity that everything, everything is going to be financially secure and everything is going to be perfect and Life as a Christian is without problems. That produces weak, anemic Christians. If it produces a true Christian at all, I don't know. I'm not going to judge. But I have an opinion. And as the day of the Lord comes, we as a church, we must remain strong. And we say, well, what does that mean, the church? You're the church. I'm the church. It's not a building. 
You know, that storm came through not long ago. In that storm, they say it was 65-mile-an-hour winds. You know what it did? It ripped shingles off her building. It ripped siding off her building. And even one of our staff guys, Chris Cox, he's a little small guy, he started flying through the parking lot. He had to hold on to a pole. Those winds were great. It didn't really happen. But those winds were great. And we're sitting inside, and we're hearing the wind blow things off the building. We're hearing Chris Cox yell. And I said, who's going to get him? And no one would go outside. The wind was great. Listen, the storms are going to come in the Christian life as well. What are you anchored in? If we're anchored in get-rich Christianity, when we're not rich, you know what's going to happen? We're going to run. Listen, Christianity isn't God, bless me. You know, a lot of our prayers, God bless me and bless this and bless that and bless this. And then, and then we think that God has to in order to show that he's good. God's good because he gave his son Jesus Christ. That's what makes him good. God's good because his word never fails. God's tr- good because his word is truth. God's good because one day this world, this world can't take my salvation. One day this, this, this grave can't hold these bodies. One day that trump is going to sound and the dead in Christ, they're going to rise and those that remain are going to be caught up in the clouds forever to be with him forever. And he says, comfort one another with these words. Why? God is good, not because of what you think he can do, but because of who he is and what he is has already done for us through Christ Jesus. He's not good just because we live in the house that we want to live in. He's not good just because we have money to pay the bills. He's not good just because we get to eat what we want to eat. He's not good because we have the clothes that we have. He's not good because we have the material things in this life. The first generation Christian, if they would have seen that kind of Christianity, they'd have said, you guys are crazy. God's good even when you don't have food on the table. God's good even when you don't have a place to live. God's good even when you are being burned at the stake. God is good even when you are being dipped in oil and and, and skinned alive. God's good even when you are being beheaded. God's good even when you are crucified upside down on the cross. God's good when they stand and they spit upon you and they mock you. God's still good. Why? Because he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. That's what makes God good. And that's why no matter what we're going through in life, it will turn out good. Because the end is already written for me. If I go to the end of my Bible, I can find where I'm going to be. I'm going to find who's the victor. My Bible says that Jesus Christ, he holds the keys to death and to hell. He's the victor, and I am found in him. Therefore, I am found in the victor. Satan, do whatever you will. World, do whatever you will. Persecution, you come. No matter what trial it is, you come what may. You might take my life. You might take my home. You might take my health. But what you can't take is the love of Jesus Christ from me. Therefore, no matter what you do, things are good. Good. 